Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome to the show. This is Recovery Wednesday, and today is August the 10th, 2016. It's also the last day of our 10 days of food, fun, forgiveness, and work. And so the ladies are getting ready to eat lunch, and then they're off on the road. And we've got a couple of people staying through the uh, nine-day. We've got a couple days off. So if you're still interested, there's still room to join us in either the nine-day or the three-day personal code or the 16-day laws of living or the four-day healing the whole woman. So let's uh, give you the call-in number, and then let's welcome Michael at 646 200 4169, press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. We're honored that you're here to join us today. Do you're a little muscled, Michael. Well, not sure why. Is that better? Mm, a little bit. Sounds like you're way far away or like you're in a barrel. Nope, I'm right on top of the microphone on my new telephone. Okay, that's better right there. Okay, good. Well, once again, we're honored and blessed that you're with us today to uh, share the space. I'm looking at this idea of forgiveness as a method of recovery, that recovery has nothing to do with recovering from disease, but rather the recovery of the truth of who we are, reconnection remembering with the whole of humanity. Powerful uh, insight from Albert Einstein, one of my favorite insights from him among many. He says, if you think you're separate or separated from the rest of humanity, you're living in an optical delusion. Now, most people who have the brain cells even start to comprehend what that means. I mean, I'm living in an optical delusion. Well, I'm looking out through my eyes, and I see all those people out there, and I'm in here, so obviously they must be out there, and I must have been there. Or is your brain tricking you? Yeah. If you've ever seen an optical delusion, have you ever seen something that looks like it's one way, but it actually is quite the opposite? And that's what Einstein says. It's for separateness is an optical delusion. We just finished covering one of the components in the workshop we're doing here, one of the components of the codependence workshop do, and this component is what I call relationship replacement. And 
just to kind of give some background, if you want to go back, gee, if you look back in the archives, I guess it's probably five years ago now, we did, a, I think, 20 weeks on codependence, so there's a lot of really good material there. <coughs> codependence we define a little differently in this work than I think in most codependent circles. And our definition of codependence fits perfectly with the definition of denial, and that is whenever I believe that somebody out there is the cause of something that's happening in here, I'm in codependent. Because everything that I see, everything my mind generates, you know, let's, let's listen to the CIA, an idea we've been teaching for decades. CIA came along with it from the research on perception. They say mind does not record reality, mind generates reality. So my offering is that your world has taught you that you look out through your eyeballs on a world. And my offering is you've never looked outside yourself in your life. Your brain generates the world of pictures that you see, and nothing exists as you see it. It exists, but not as you see it. So we're literally looking at pictures in our minds of ourselves as bodies. If we could see ourselves as we really are, we'd see this whirring mass of electrons, protons, neutrons, and light. Certain energies belong in the energy system, and certain energies don't. If you accumulate enough disintegrative energy, interestingly enough, in the ancient Aramaic language, the word that represents disintegrative energy is the word sin. And sin, in Aramaic, is an archery term. When I fire at the target and I miss the bullseye, the scorekeeper yells, sin, you're off the mark. So if I put enough disintegrative energy into my tissue structure and I have no tools with which to alleviate myself of the pain and stress of that, then I will sooner or later fall into some form of addiction. I'll find something to anesthetize me against the pain of holding an energy that doesn't belong in me. But what happens is, when we live in denial, and our whole culture lives in denial, I think or speak as though something outside of me is the cause of something that's happening inside of me. So if you ever said to somebody, you made me mad, you made me mad, that really upset me. They hurt me. He really puts me on a downer. Every one of those statements is a statement pointing to codependent relationship. What I feel, what I experience comes from within me. What you feel, what you experience comes from within you. You've never seen anything outside of you with your eyes. You've only seen the replicate image in your mind that comes from your brain, and that picture is painted on the inside of your eyeballs, and you think you're looking out there, but you're really not. If you hold disintegrative energy in, in tissue, the tissue says, ouch. The person who grabs a fifth of scotch for the first time and gulps it down, or as um, we've heard in, in the past, Gail shared with us that if you remember being a child, it was like her body felt like ground glass, and when she took alcohol, all of a sudden the ground glass became smooth. That's the disintegrative energy in the tissue structure and what happens is when people find their addictive substance, all of a sudden, the pain goes away. So they go, this is good stuff. But when I live in a world where I hold all kinds of energies that are off the mark, 
those energies cover up the truth of who I am. And if you've ever held a newborn child and you describe the essence of that child, and it's interesting how many people describe that, and then when I say, and now you're describing yourself, they go, well, no, I don't believe that. Because they've been told something different, and their brain produces a picture of them as what they've been told they are rather than who they really are. So the truth about each and every one of us, I don't care if it's the worst person in the world, as you consider it, or the best person in the world. We're all the same. We all started out as the active presence of love. And the world puts thumbprints on us, and out of those thumbprints we hallucinate. So, again, Einstein, if you think you're separate or separated from the rest of humanity, you're living in an optical illusion. So we create this world of pictures well, in the relationship replacement segment of codependence, what we point out is that we all, we all generally, most people start out with a power person, and that's a person who at some point in our lives had more power over our lives than we did and wasn't functioning as love. And the messages that they and the world deliver to us, we integrate into our minds and sometimes those messages are pretty much a disaster. And out of those messages, once, once we get enough of those, you're not good enough, you're stupid, you'll never make it. You know, we had a, a woman who shared with us a few years back when we asked the question, what kind of messages were you given that she was six when uh, her father came to her and told her that they had a perfect family until she was born into it and she ruined the family? You know, Michelle shared with us on the show a short time ago that she could, she had the memory come up that she's doing some forgiveness work of being 11 years of age and her grandmother towering over her and telling her that she killed her grandfather who had recently died of a heart attack, that it was her fault. What kind of messages to give kids? But all those messages literally coagulate into a picture of a body that we think we are. So in our minds, we hold an image of who we think we are, and this is the false self. So let's imagine that, uh, you know, Bill meets Mary, and Bill has gone through that socialization process and thinks he's a body made up of the messages he got from his power person, and he's attracted to Mary. Why is he attracted to Mary? Because Mary had a power person who gave her messages that matched the ones that were given to Bill. And now they have a mass of energy in common, and they're attracted to each other by resonance through those bags of garbage. And, you know, the world calls relationships based in matching bags of garbage love relationships. If you've ever had a so-called love relationship, turn sour, what happens? Well, all of a sudden, matching bags of garbage became too much to handle. Too much was surfacing in each individual. So here we have Bill and Mary, and they meet each of them potential beings of light and the presence of active love, where we all started out. But each of them with an image in their mind of themselves as a body made up of all the messages that they've accepted about themselves. So when Bill meets Mary, if you can stay with me on this visual. I don't have a board to show it to you. But when Bill meets Mary, 
then he opens a file in his mind, so to speak. He's got a file on himself where his false self or non-being self comes from. And he opens a file on this file on women where there's all the content of his experiences with women, all the brain cells he's built in relationship to women. And then he interacts with Mary and he builds more brain cells actually based on relationship with her. And so another body shows up in his mind that he calls Mary. And that body comes from what resonates in him. Now recognize that Mary at the same time is doing the same thing. If she's had a power person who wasn't functioning as love, that power person delivered messages to her, and those messages coagulate or turn into a body in her mind. So she thinks she's a body. And she meets Bill, and she opens her file in the mind on men and all the content she has on men, and then she starts to add data and information through her actual interaction with Bill. So if you could imagine, I'm drawing this on the board, and I've got a stick figure, and then inside the head of Bill is a picture of himself, so there's a body, and then inside his head there's a picture of her, and she's a body. And then we've got a stick figure of her, and inside her head is a picture of her, another body, and a picture of him, a fourth body. So now if you ever wonder why relationships get complicated, you'll notice that in that situation there are four non-beings, four people involved or what people think are people. And there are two potential beings made of love. If they design their relationship to support them incarnating as love and letting go of the power person messages and getting rid of the false self, Yeshua says, in order for you to live, you've got to die. He's not saying go out and slit your throat. He's saying the self that isn't true, that you think you are, the body you think you are, has to go. Of course, that was not very well understood. So now we have Bill and Mary, and in their heads, there's a, a, a picture of a body of each of them. So now we have four non-beings in the relationship, and things get crazy. But then where really the big deal really happens is that at the same time as Bill was building a picture of himself, out of the message he was given by his power person, he was also building a file on his power person and building an image of his power person into that file. So forevermore, until he resolves all of that, underneath the surface is always this looming picture of the power person. And you'll notice that there are many people who live in a world where their power person's dead and gone, and yet all the abuses, all the vile things that the power person said about them, this person just carries on with their judgments of self and playing out those, those messages. So once again, imagine the picture on the board. We've got two stick figures. Inside the head of each one is a picture of themselves, of what they think is themselves, and a picture of the person they just met. And then at the unconscious level is a picture of the power person. Remember that perception is driven by goals. And if Mary or Bill had a goal for their power person that the power person never fulfilled for them, then there's a lot of energy in that file, so to speak, on the power person. And if Mary, let's say Bill has that file in his mind, and Mary violates 
the goal that Bill had for his power person. So what would an example be? Perhaps, you know, Bill has um, has been hit by his mother. And so he's got a goal for to use gentle hands. And one day, Mary raises her fist as though to pound on him. But she didn't actually have to hit him. All she had to do was violate the goal for mother to have gentle hands, and all of a sudden that power person dynamic of mother is activated and comes into play. Now, instead of his picture, the body that he thinks is Mary, which is really just a picture in his mind, collapses into the file that he has on Mary, and it works its way through and comes up through the file that he had for his power person. So this activating of the power person file by a partner violating the goal you had for a power person brings that power person file into play. And now, though she looks like a similar or the same and sometimes not body, she's dressed in all the emotionally unresolved issues that Bill had with his mother. So now Bill is no longer in relationship with even the false image of Mary in his mind, but he's back in relationship with the body in his mind that looks like Mary but is clothed in all of the emotional issues never resolved with mom. And that's what I call relationship substitution. When this occurs, this is the point where people, and most people can remember when this happened in their relationship. The common parlance of the culture is the honeymoon is over. Many people remember the day the honeymoon was over in their relationship. You know, they went along, maybe they had some challenges, but they were in love and it was cool and everything was wonderful. But one day the honeymoon was over. And the way you'll remember it, you'll probably remember if, if you had your partner do that and, and start to deal with you as though you were the power person rather than who they thought you were, what happens is this person, you know, if Bill's the one who's activated, Mary will say, Bill, why are you talking to me like that? I mean, who do you think you're talking to? It's like you don't even know who I am anymore. What happened? What happened is he doesn't know his brain's image of you as he knew you where you kind of got along, but rather he knows you as his power person now. And every issue unresolved with this power person is going to play out with you, Mary. And it's going to be bedlam. It probably won't be long in that circumstance before Bill does a behavior that violates a goal that Mary had for her power person. And her power person is going to be activated. If you want to see a really powerful demonstration of this, watch the movie The War of the Roses. So where we started out with Bill thinking is a body with a file in his mind that is his body and all the things he thinks about himself from his messages from power person. And he thinks Mary's a body and all the brain cells that he's built in response to women and in response to Mary or with Mary. That Mary collapses and disappears and a new Mary shows up. And you're right. He doesn't know who you are. He isn't talking to you. He's talking to his power person. 
And it won't be long before he's going to do a behavior that will probably violate one of the goals you had for your power person. And so the same thing will happen in Mary's mind. The picture of the body she thought was him collapses. The picture that came out of the file that she built in relationship to him collapses. And now, in order to show up in her mind, he has to go through his power, her power person's file. And all of a sudden, a different bill shows up. Looks like the same or similar body, but clothed with all the emotionally unresolved issues that Mary had her power person. Now, both have substituted different bodies coming from different places in their minds for the body that they thought they were dealing with. And people who live in codependence have relationships with bodies they don't have relationships with beings. That's why it's such a throwaway society. Oh, well, a one-nighter. Oh, well, you know, as long as I'm, if she satisfies or he satisfies my goals, it's okay, but otherwise I throw them away. And so when one has a relationship with bodies, bodies are objects. Objects in this culture are things to use, and you throw them away. For many cultures on the planet, Aboriginal cultures, would be just shocked, absolutely shocked to think of such a thing as divorce, as, wait a minute, hold on, you were, let let me see if I can understand, you were a lover with this person, you were close, you were connected, you were actually intimate with, and conceived a child with them, and let, let me see if I can get this now, and you've thrown them out of your life, how is that possible? But here's how it's possible, there's a thing called codependence. And if I think you're a body, and I think a body is an object, when I'm finished with that object, as this culture teaches, when you're finished with an object, what do you do? You throw it away. So relationship becomes become throwaway in a codependent world. In an interdependent world, people have relationships with beings, not with bodies. When you have a relationship with being, there's no such thing as throwing away. When issues come up, each person owns the issues that they have, and they work through those issues, and their identification with themselves and others as bodies and realizing that they are being. And they begin to dissolve and dismantle this whole file in the mind where I think I'm this body made up of messages that I got from my power person. I dissolve the messages that I got from my power person through forgiveness. I remove those messages. I remove that image of my power person so that that file is clean and clear. I do the work that I need to do to clean that up. And I do the same with my beliefs that you're a body. And as I dissolve all of that, I am restored to being. I am strengthened in my state of being. And if I have tools, then what happens is me being restored to my state of being I'm in relationship with someone who's doing the same work of being restored fully to being so that hostility or fear is simply forgiven and one lives as the act of presence of love. That's the ultimate vision and the ultimate goal of this work and what that creates is interdependent relationship. And so that's where we're having, heading with this work. And so recovery in relationship would be two people who are 
recovering the truth of who they are as love. They no longer identify themselves or each other as bodies. Yes, our brain shows us a picture of a body, but I know who you really are. Great line from the movie um, Avatar. I see you. When you live as a being, you see other beings. You don't see bodies. You can see bodies, but the bodies you see are not the beings you relate to. And when people start to relate being to being, there is just this sweet, awesome, active presence of love. And it's monumental in its impact on all the world. We were just talking in the class uh, that we just completed this morning, and uh, I had posted a video on Facebook that I found that someone had, and it was just such a sweet, it was like maybe a minute and a half, minute video. If you're uh, not connected with me on Facebook, send a pen request, JM underscore RYCE, and connect and watch this video. Actually, a, a woman in India, and obviously an elderly woman, and she's sitting on the stone sidewalk, and she's selling her wares. And this young man comes up to her in India. Young men, young women call older women, any older woman, auntie. So he starts to talk to her. Of course, I mean, it's in uh, Hindi or whatever language, but there's a, a translation of it. And he asks her, you know, what are you doing here? Said, well, I'm making my living. I'm, I'm selling my berries. And he says, well, how old are you? I'm 100 years of age. So this 100-year-old woman is sitting there earning her livelihood. And he's like, you're 100 and you're still working? And he reaches into his pocket and he takes out a sum of money. I know it was in rupees, so I don't know what it was. But uh, it sounded or seemed like a significant sum in David's word. And she's just elated and he's going, thank you, thank you. And there's just this, I mean, the energy of human life that comes through this video is just awesome. This little lady who's sitting on the sidewalk probably would take her five minutes to get up. And this guy's kind of stooped down in front of her. You know, he's maybe 25. And he hands her this money. He says, thank you for what you do. And she just reaches out with her hand and touches him. She's so awesome in the energy, in the sweetness of it, in the presence of human life. And he goes to walk away and then he says, you know, she's out, she sold all of her berries. It's like, well, you have more berries tomorrow and she says, yes, I expect them. He says, well, here, let me give you another, whatever it was, 500 per piece. And just keep that. And she says, well, what if I can't get berries? That's all. Once again, she puts up him. And through the video comes the vibration of human life. The sweetness of this hundred-year-old woman sitting, you know, she probably lives with her family in a house that could fit in one room of your house. And she lives there with eight people. And yet the human life is possible. What if we could do that today? What if we could recover truth of who we are? Michael? And whoever we met. Yes, sir. We can barely hear you. It's like well, you're whispering across the room. 
But I'm right on top of my microphone with a new phone, so I don't know what to do. But well, you were you were all right. I mean, it's quieter than normal. But in this last bit where you were getting emotional about what was happening, mm-hmm. your voice just got quieter and quieter, and it came down to where I could hardly hear you. Okay, well, I'll tone it up a little bit. That am I coming through there? Yes. Okay, good. Thank you, sir. So what would happen if we could really, truly have those kinds of interactions with each other at every turn in our world? How different would our world be? And that's what we're working to do in this work, and in particular with Recovery Wednesday, it is about recovering the truth of who we are so that we're capable of that. And I invite you into the process and into the work, and we're honored and delighted that you're here to share this space with us. Dr. Tim, do you have any thoughts to share on any of that or what's happening in your world today? Well, I saw the video that you were mentioning. I don't know whose newsfeed it was on. And there have been a couple others recently that people were sharing that are just very loving interactions between people. And um, I have felt that, some would call it the vagus nerve response, that tingling and that tear in my eye. And and I, I appreciate my ability to resonate with that energy and how it was given to me either by the creator and or by the example with my parents. And it's a big part of what, makes it so rewarding to do the work I do, to connect with people, to see them recover the awareness of their true nature as love, to bit by bit dismantle the false beliefs. And I feel blessed to be a part of the team that has access to these tools. And then, of course, blessed to have people choosing to join us on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights to apply those tools. We had a support group last night, and we watched the first hour of the September 2014 four-hour Why Is This Happening to Me Again that you recorded in Woodstock. And as you've said, you put that on YouTube because it, it just felt like such a really good things were really flowing a really good first hour introduction to the work and every time I watch it and I'm watching it with people I see them respond at different levels and to different parts of the video and that always leads to a nice discussion about what am I learning what am I missing where am I stuck and in the group last night it was for me, particularly poignant because we have several people in the group who are dealing with major life issues, Um, physical illness, impending death with some family members, physical illness long-term, chronic illness and disappointments, loss of relationships. And what I really appreciate about having this group and these tools is I know everyone in that room can benefit from the application of the tools. Just doing the same steps 
over and over again. Having the willingness to ask to be shown rather than continually try to figure it out with the conscious logical mind. So that's where my thoughts are today, just uh, feeling grateful for being on the team and having access to the tools. Well, I join you in that, and we are certainly grateful that you are on the team. And it is certainly with deep gratitude that I get to do this in my life. You know, it's like how, how how much better can it get to watch the kind of changes that you and I get to see? You know, Jeannie's getting ready to go up in September and do a women's retreat and the kind of changes that she sees from those women coming back and uh, just so monumental. It is awesome. So, delighted you're there, sir. Thank you for all the support you give us. My pleasure. All right. Let's check and see if Gail is with us today. I am with you today. How are you doing? We are blessed and highly favored. How about you? I feel the same way. Thank you so much. Awesome. Awesome. Well, did any of that intro resonate anything for you? Is there anything in particular about recovery that you had on your mind to share today for Recovery Wednesday? Um, every everything that you said was perfect and and resonated very well. I cannot hear that intro too many times um to continue to build the brain cells and to realize what we do in this culture. And what we need to do in this culture is to start seeing being. Um, the question that I have for you is something that I learned that healing the whole woman, and then I've heard you talk about this since, and also um, Carrie um, from 21st Century Superhuman, her page, um, she had a, um, an article about this as well, is the kind of energy that we exchange with others when we intercourse with them and the reason why intercourse is so sacred and the consequences that we deal with when we throw bodies away, when we just use bodies and throw people away. Can you talk about that? I think that would be a great tie-in. Sure. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because that was the last thing that we processed in the class before we closed out the 10-day workshop. And, uh, Ginny, since you uh, since you received that um, uh, input uh, from the healing the whole woman or women healing women, uh, would you like to talk about that and address that issue? I can. It's um, right. You know, energetically. I mean, in one respect, you know, physically, we take on their DNA. I mean, they've even they've proven that, like, if a a woman or a man um, has intercourse with, say, two or three people before they settle down and get married, then the child actually can be tested. Now, who would want to do it? I don't know. But they have done tests, and they can pick up the DNA of the partners that the parents had before they even got married, even though this child wasn't conceived by any of those partners, that physically part of their DNA it shows up in that child. So that's one reason to say, okay, whose DNA do I want to be in my children? But the other thing is that energetically we take on all their stuff. I mean, it's like when you intercourse with someone, you actually already have access then to 
things that they hold in their unconscious, and you can bring it up for them really fast, and uh, and vice versa. And so the example that Michael gave this morning in class was, you know, uh, say the prostitute, and she slept with all kinds of, of people. And one of her dons from 20 years ago is bowling in oil somewhere, and she wakes up and wonders why her skin feels blistered. You know, you actually pick up the energy because that is such a intimate, I mean, it's the closest you'll get to a person and you're exchanging more than just fluids. And to realize that and to actually ask yourself, you know, is this someone that I want to take on their energy? Now, one of the questions that was asked in class this morning was, oh, so now what do I do? I've got, you know, all of this within me now. You know, is there any hope? I'm doing all this forgiveness work, but can I change my DNA? And the answer is yes. You know, when we, you know, every cell in your body is replaced, depending on whose numbers you take, somewhere between one and seven years. And so every cell is a new cell at some point in time. And the only reason that it would duplicate the previous cell is that the energy is still held in that cell. It's kind of like a copy machine. You know, it copies whatever's put on the screen. And if you change the picture, then you get a different, you know, a different copy. And so it's as we remove energies that don't belong within us, then the cells, the DNA, actually goes back to its perfect state. So if, you know, you have a disease today, the only reason you'd have it, say, seven years from now, is because you've held on to the same energy that created that disease. And so it's removing the physical so that the um, the energetic, the emotional, the mental, the spiritual, all of it's connected, and all of it can go back to total health. You can actually rewrite your genes. You can rewrite your DNA. And so it's doing the work, though, I mean, not just, you know, letting it ride status quo and pretend like it didn't happen. You have to dig in there and you have to do your work. You have to make that change. Does that address it? That's right on right on track. And uh, just one other little piece to add to it. They've shown with research that when a woman bears a child, that years later the DNA of the child is still in her brain. Is present. It's kind of interesting as well. And speaks of right. a special bond between child, mother and child. And if if people are saying, "Ah, oh, that's crazy, that's silly," well, look also then that you're, you know, we talked about this this morning. Um, someone has a purebred dog, and they want to breed it with another purebred dog, so they have purebred puppies. Well, if if that dog gets out as soon as she is mated with another dog that's, say, maybe not purebred, then she is no longer considered purebred because she will, even though she may not conceive puppies by that dog, she has the DNA of the non-purebred dog in her, and so now she is not a purebred. And her puppies could come out looking just like the, the off-breed dog even though she's been bred with another purebred. I mean, you can look at those kind of uh, statistics and things too, and to prove the point, I think a lot of times as people, we like to think that that doesn't apply to us. All energy. It's all energy, and energy expresses. And so you, you want to be, you know, 
conscious. You want to be aware of where you allow your energy to go and whose energy you take on. That, that is one piece that I respect that the Greeks had in the puzzle. And they said, guard the portal to the mind. Be careful what you let in. And, of course, that extends when you realize that there's an exchange of DNA and intercourse. Guard the portals of your genitals because it's a powerful entryway for uh, someone else's bloodline. And, you know, I, I love what uh, Jonas Salk said. He says that one of the most important things is to be a good ancestor. And I would offer that a good ancestor protects their DNA. They do not allow their DNA to be polluted by running wild in the culture, which is kind of the culture gives us a green light to and says, oh, you know, you're just, you're just evolved out of a chunk of protoplasm. There's no big deal here. Just go ahead and do it with whoever you choose. Well, I invite you to think twice and keep your bloodline clean and clear and to invite into that intimate space only someone whose DNA you really want within your bloodline. So we do have a hand of, up. Uh, get to the core for you, Gail, of what you were thinking. That was perfect. That was a perfect tie-in. Um, the only other, the only question that I have is based on there's a tendency or a symptom of, of um, childhood sexual abuse is promiscuity, and so um, yes. not knowing how to properly get the attention that you want without having sex, um, and that is right. definitely a part of my story. And so doing worksheets, is that adequate enough to get um, former partner's DNA out of the system? And how, what kind of goals would you recommend be canceled um, during the, the worksheet process? And then I'm, I'm complete. So okay. we should go on to well, the other input, caller. Yeah. My input would be that rather than just worksheet, do all of the above because every tool is designed to change the energetic pattern within you and therefore the creative process that you're engaged in. And so it would be the use of literally every tool that we teach. And as you do your work, you're going to process through and remove those things that are not natural to what your energy system is attuned to as an individual. The overlays are going to be removed. And as you, like, for, say, for instance, you know, when we do an intensive total fresh and raw food, that vitalizes people. As you become vital enough, you can throw off what never belonged. I shared a couple of weeks ago, and for me it was a really good visual. We had gone to see one of these vampire movies, and in this movie this vampire is being shot with silver bullets. And... Uh, so he gets a couple of bullets in his chest, but the visual was very powerful to see the power this guy had in this fantasy film, but a good visual for throwing things off. And you, I mean, you literally see the bullets enter his flesh, and then he focuses, shifts his energy, and he literally, you see the bullets being pushed out of his body and his body healing. And I think that's the visual for. Whatever I've taken on that doesn't belong does not naturally stick to me. It's there, but it doesn't, it isn't really, it isn't in its home turf. 
And so as I do all of the above, as I shift into a higher vitality diet, as I let go of my hostility and fear, the energies that that links to no longer hold that energy present in my structure and I can focus in the active presence of love, throw that energy off. So that would be my important part. That works. That works. Oh, good. Of course, of course, I'm going to get all the above. (laughs) All the above. Yes, of course. (laughs) Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. We look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks. Likewise. It's not even a couple weeks. It's it's less than that now, isn't it? It's what the 29th, so less than two weeks away. All right, Jeannie, you've got a caller for us. Let's say hello. Well, we did have a call. We did have a caller. It was area code 517, but they've now disappeared off the switchboard. So if you're still on there and you still have a question, press 1, and it'll throw you back up to the top of the screen so I can see you. And we're dial back in. Which one again? Our call-in number. If you're on one of those stations where we can't see you on our switchboard, our call-in number is 646 200 4169. We're in the uh, chat room and you'd like to speak to us. And of course, you can type if you're a member of Blog Talk. If you're not, there's a simple registration process for you to type if you have not see it. And or uh, call that 46 number and push one and you'll be talking with us. Our whole purpose here is to create support and understanding the tools, particularly the tool of forgiveness. So, Jeannie, is it just me, or did Michael fade again? Uh, he's fading again, but I thought maybe it was my phone. So, Michael, maybe come into this room in here. Maybe the signal will be stronger. Okay. I lost you. You went below a whisper. And I, I thought you might sure be giving out the... I thought you might be giving out the phone number, but then it just disappeared. I have a new $700 phone I got four days ago, five days ago. I don't know what to say. Maybe it's the headset. Well, I don't know. But Anyway, if you have a question for us. Right, 646-200-4169. Press 1 if you're have a question or a comment or a testimonial. I got a very nice note from somebody about progress they were making and they were they had finished doing a worksheet and immediately flipped it over and just started writing rapid writing on the back whatever was coming to their mind. And when they reread it it was this wonderful insight about what what they need to do to keep dismantling the negative beliefs and energies around the need to be right and the fear of not being smart enough and all that good stuff. So once again, to add to the beautiful story you told yesterday, Michael, of working with somebody who cleared some energy and then his sister called 
just as he was clearing that energy. You know, and a one, wonderful example of the connection of everyone to every every other person. And here's another story of somebody who's getting tremendous benefit by just doing the worksheets, doing the breath work. So let us know if you have a question or a comment or a testimonial. Those are always good. For sure. And again, our calling number, 646-200-4169. You are much stronger and clearer. Yeah, whatever you just did, it made it perfect. Well, what I'm doing is I, I have a uh, a battery case uh, for this phone, and I need a uh, a special connector to work through the battery case, so I'm in the process of removing the case in case, in case that's the problem. So, so um I'm just attempting to do that and do it quietly enough so that uh, the show can carry on at the same time. <laughs> so, Well, you're perfectly clear on the last few, last little bit that you were talking there. Um, so since nobody's calling in, I'll just throw out something else that came up in the uh, class this morning. Uh, they were... Uh, I'm reading the chat room at the same time. Somebody else was saying that you had just faded out. So um, in the class this morning, uh, after we were talking about, you know, working through and removing the energies and all that we had taken on perhaps, you know, with previous partners, and, and then the conversation switched to, okay, so my current partner, I'm doing the work and he's not. And so the the tendency, the um, what's the normal, and I say it's not normal, but it's the normal for that personal code would be to leave that situation because, you know, I'm doing the work and he's not. And so we talked about that, and it's like, no, you know, they're giving you the perfect opportunity that you need to heal whatever's coming up in you right now. And, you know, you made a commitment in this relationship and just because they're not doing the work is not reason to leave that relationship. I mean, if you're not being, you know, physically abused and, and you know, it's just that they're not doing the work. And, and so we went on to talk about, and I gave the example of the story in the scriptures where it talks about the storm and the disciples are in the boat and they're afraid. And, and they see Yeshua walking on water. And one of them says, if you ask me to step out, I know I can walk on water. And so he's like, well, come on. And so he steps out of the boat. And the same storm's going on. Nothing has changed in the circumstances around them. And as long as he keeps his focus on where he's going and stays connected to love, he walks on water. But then when he starts looking at the storm, he sinks. And I said, that's exactly what happens to us in our life is that, you know, we do our work and we stay connected to where we're going. And and the same situation may happen around us, but if we stay connected, I think we can literally and figuratively walk on water. And I gave the example of, you know, it had been an issue and still occasionally creeps its little head up, uh, and I've been working on that I'm worthy of being heard. And so one day we were doing a Saturday all-day breath workshop, and we processed people. We breathed half of them, and then we processed, and then we took lunch, and then we were going to breathe the second half. And so I was giving some feedback to this guy, 
and we took intermission for lunch, and this lady asked if she could talk to me, and so we stepped over into another room, and she goes, I just wanted to know, did you see that when you were giving him advice, he didn't even look at you. He wasn't paying a bit of attention to you. And it had not even come into my awareness what she was saying to me that that was true, and it was like, oh, my gosh, this really works, because that normally would have been a big trigger to say, yeah, see, I'm not worth listening to or whatever. But I'd been doing my work around it, and then the exact same situation appeared, but I stayed in a connected, totally okay space and was even unaware of it. And I, But then I was able to say, okay, but you apparently have some issues around men not listening or about anybody not listening, and so can I help you, support you in working through what's up for you? Because it was definitely, she was definitely triggered by it, and she wasn't even really involved in it. So it does work, and you can continue doing your work, whether anybody else is doing it or not, and it changes, whether it just changes your perception of it or whether it really changes what's going on in your space. You know, Michael has given the instance that, you know, one of four things will happen. You're doing your work, and the other person or people will either say, I really like what you're doing, and I want it. You know, tell me about it. What is it? Or they'll say, I really like what you're doing. It looks good on you, and I support you keeping on doing it. I don't want it personally, but I support you in doing it. The third thing is, is they'll get really mad because when you're in that totally in love space, you're not controllable by them or their, you know, behaviors or whatever. And so they'll crank up the heat to try to get you back the way you were. And the fourth thing is, there's no resonance, and they leave. But it's continually doing your work to move through. You know, Michael, at the beginning of the show, was talking about the relationship issue and the power person issue, and all those things are going to come up. And leaving is one of the top uh, things that people do in this world, is to leave relationships or to leave the world, to to die or, or you know, whatever. And that is not the solution because... The issues are within each of us, and so if we go somewhere else, we just take it with us. And there's nothing that's going, you know, you may anesthetize it for a while so that you don't feel it, but then when you quit taking or doing whatever it is that you anesthetize it with, that pain and that issue is still right there in your face. And oftentimes, uh, sweetie, thanks for bringing that up, the issue will be one of what one would look like when their partner isn't willing to do their work the issue would look like, you know, I don't deserve support. You know, why don't people support me? You know, why won't people listen to me? Why won't people participate or cooperate with me? And so that would be the next worksheet for the person who looks at their partner and says, you know, there's something wrong with them. And, and to recognize that, you know, every message we give, if we look at the codependence worksheet, you you make a list of everybody who's ever offended you, the nature of your offense, or their offense, pardon me, slip of the Freudian tongue, and your punishment thought. And then the final column is, now how are you going to follow your advice to them in your life? Because every body that you've ever seen is an image in your mind generated by your brain cell structure. And the messages we give to others are the messages that we're attempting to give to ourselves. And so if you start looking at the advice you've been giving other people and follow it, you'll find that you're an absolute genius at giving advice, and it'll change your life. 
but we're always hallucinating bodies. Bodies don't exist, remember? Let's listen to Einstein. On such things as matter, we have been all wrong. What we have heretofore called matter is energy, energy whose vibrations have been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses. There is no matter. There's no material substance. It's an energetic world. When we see something as matter, we're seeing a picture in our brain that is a reflection of the content of our own mind. And what we've denied and dissociated from shows up in our picture world first. And what forgiveness does is it collapses that dissociation. It collapses and gives us access to the part of our minds that we have dissociated some from so that through act, the active presence of love, forgiveness occurs and we're freed. And that's the bottom line of where we're heading with the work. It's what we're looking to do. It's create a space for understanding that. And we're honored and delighted that you're here to do it with us. And, of course, that's the whole bottom line of the whole 12-step program, uh, which, interestingly enough, as Gail was kind enough to, uh, to inform us that our early shows, when we were talking about the codependence work, uh, came from a first-century study group of, uh, of Yeshua's teachings. And that's where the whole AA idea got started. So any thoughts in that regard to share, uh, Gail? Uh, absolutely. Um, I think um, I'm thinking it came from the Greek interpretation of it. Um, that's why I think that um, the 12 steps don't go quite as deep as what your work does um, coming from the Aramaic. But it was most definitely a breakthrough for, you know, the time period that they were doing it in and how it's helped so many millions of other people. Um to recover from addiction and alcoholism. And so it was definitely the miracle of the century for sure. Um, so I'm delighted in the, yeah, I'm delighted in the fact that I'm able to share that perspective um, and to connect some dots between the two different spiritual modalities. That's awesome. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Delighted. And, you know, when, when a, a group of, 12-step people come together in the ideal, and of course I've heard from people say, oh, well, I don't go to the 12-step because, and they have all their their complaints and their reasons, but the whole idea is to come together as a community in the presence of love and forgive what doesn't belong. And in the ancient teachings, that was called liturgy. And if you remember, liturgy is what was originally the term that was applied to people gathering at a church. It was about our common work, coming together in love as the active presence of love to dissolve and eradicate the world of hostility and fear, addiction and insanity, and recover the truth of our human lives, that each of us is truly this awesome active presence of love that when we bring it back into perspective, everything changes. So we're delighted and honored that you're here with us. We're just about down to completion point, so I'm going to close the show out and say, have the best year yet of your eternal life. Share this show with somebody. There'll be a free MP3 on our website once we're complete here, and pass it on. Bring a stranger to the show tomorrow. Blessings.
Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and myself, Jeannie Rice, as we present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. We are here every Monday through Friday from 1 to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael, myself, or Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.